0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Konga. I'm
2: Ryan Hun. Ryan, how you doing? Do you know what, Musa? I'm doing fantastic.
1: Wow, oh my goodness. There he is.
2: <laughs> Everyone listens to be like, oh, he's not, he's not alright, thanks man.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> how are you, Musa Conga? I'm actually just, I'm merely very good. I thought you were going to say mid. <laughs> I'm just oh, mid. I've always been mid. But yeah, don't, yes. Don't <laughs>
2: um, I think you're. I think you're mustard
1: because you're wearing a mustard roll neck right now. This is Looking true. Very good it's indeed. Slightly looser fitting around the neck, but I am more elevated.
2: From here, it looks like if Charlie Brown was a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature <laughs> when he grew up. <laughs> that kind of colour. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, can I tell you why I'm fantastic? Why's that? Because it's episode four hundred,
1: that is unreal of this silly little podcast. Four hundred episodes of Stadium. Uh, so that's kind so of we're wild. gonna
2: do we're gonna do a bit of a, a a thank you to everyone who's been with us from the beginning, from the middle, from recently. Anyone who uh, has shared our work and yeah, the usual stuff. Four hundred episodes. It's quite it's quite a lot of podcasts. I know there are lots of people who've done many more podcasts but yeah i don't think we thought we'd do 400
1: listen there are many podcasts but this is mine
2: but no seriously thanks to everyone who uh who listens to us and yeah honestly that i stuff. mean that,
1: that like joking aside like that is thank you there'll be some who listened from the very beginning some who've only started listening recently you are all equally welcome and we appreciate people that have you know persevered i've got to say that's um That's been lovely.
2: Is this not the most perfect subject material for a 400th episode of Stadio? It's almost like a mega mix. We've got history being made in the Bundesliga. We've got Barcelona firing. Well, a a Barcelona manager leaving. Right, but not leaving. We've got a last minute winner where someone desperately tried to sell it as being spiritually onside. Right, yeah. Loads of chaos. AFCON upsets. There's, an, there's some amazing stats about AFCON, by the way. I can't, t- I can't wait to talk about yeah,
1: that. Yeah, that one that someone posted in the group was wild. That's a wow. beautiful th- yeah So,
2: almost like a, it's the perfect, this is the, the combination. Yeah. It's
1: a cacophony of chaos. <laughs> That's a great name for an album.
2: Uh, some admin quickly. Uh, we, we're going to do a mail out this week, but uh, we've changed our minds on what piece we wanted to put on the website. So, we're holding off. And we also might have some news to announce. Mm. So instead of just bombarding you with two in a matter of uh, back-to-back weeks, we're going to hold off till next week. Um, but yeah, if you want to sign up for that, stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. writer's uh, house on Friday will be Florence and I uh, and Ian, obviously, who kind of part of the deal. Um, can't spell writer's house without Righty. Mr. There it is. And uh, go check Press on Thursday. There will be... I assume taking you through all of the Women's Champions League games because uh, final round of group games this week. We'll touch on them a little bit, maybe, but um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well wherever you are in the world. And uh, I reckon it's time for us to get into episode four hundred. Let's do it.
0: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira. Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. dot com Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
2: All right, man. If it's okay with you, I would like to begin by shouting out Maria Louisa Ata, who became the first woman to take charge of a men's Bundesliga side, oversaw Union's 1-0 win over Darmstadt on the weekend. We didn't do a show on Monday because we went early for the club thing. We're not yeah. going to do Bundesliga, although Leverkusen drew and Bayern won to close the mm-hmm. gap to two points at the top. Yeah. But just wanted to shout out Ata who, you know, women's Champions League winner, part of the coaching setup at Union, uh, moved up to the first team coaching staff after Urs Fischer. Uh, we left the club and obviously took charge on the weekend because uh, Bielitzer was <laughs> suspended yeah, for right. his double face push of uh, Leroy Zane. And uh, just history. History in the Bundesliga and we'd love to see it and we hope History that...
1: made the vital win as well.
2: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And Union are pulling away the five points. They've got five points, five point gap on Cole now. Very positive for Union. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to go Javi?
1: I think we should go with Javi. yes. So Xavi has said to his bosses at Barcelona that he will not be continuing in the job beyond the 30th of June. After Barcelona's 5-3 defeat at home to Villarreal, I think it's the first they they've conceded at home in, in decades, five goals at home in decades. Sid wrote a brilliant piece about it in The Guardian. Mm. Um, Sid brilliant as ever. And this is so interesting. Because he's going to stay in the post for the remainder of the season. He said a lot of things about the pressures of the job and how leaving the job would relieve tension on the players. Mm. But of course, he's still going to be there. What's your, what's your feeling about all this, Ryan?
2: Do you know what? I think it's probably something that felt like it's been building for a little while in terms of the last decade or so, decade and a half of Barcelona has all kind of led to this point. You have a squad that's kind of all over the place. Totally, you have all of these financial restrictions after terrible financial mismanagement that led to you having what I mean I think was the the largest wage bill in football at one point. You're now becoming a destination for star players at the end of their career, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you had arguably the greatest midfielder in the club's history coming back to manage the club and kind of pulling the club up on its on its bullshit. Mm. Now, Javi isn't blameless here by any means. I think Javi has struggled. I think this job was. I think we. I'm not sure if we talked about it on the the last episode, the Klopp episode. Thanks to everyone who got in touch about that, by the way. Sorry, I should have mm. said that at the top of the show. I had some lovely messages from people about that. Thank you very much. Um, but about how you can step into a job too quick. I mean, you could you could say that Arteta did that in theory. That was a brave, brave move for him at Arsenal. First senior managerial job. I think that the profile though is such so different where Arsenal were compared to where Barcelona, like, were in terms of the global standing. This was the, I mean, bar Real Madrid for a while. This was the biggest club in the world. Mm. There was that period where you know Pep Mourinho, the peak Ronaldo, Messi clasicos. Where they, these were the two biggest clubs in the world.
1: Barcelona had a good 10-year run. Yeah. They really yeah. did.
2: Yeah. And I think what's happened now is that you have gone from a club where everyone wanted to be to a club where few would really want to go to. Right. If you're at your absolute peak, let's say, I, I, I think, and this is what made the Arteta thing quite interesting because there was those links to Arteta afterwards. And it was just like, and this isn't because I an I support Arsenal by any means, but you wouldn't necessarily want to leave Arsenal for Barcelona now, which was unthinkable a decade ago.
1: Absolutely unthinkable.
2: And I think that's the thing that that would jar me as a Barcelona fan now, where it's kind of like, well, what do we do next? Actually, we've managed to burn out Pep, and we've managed to burn out one of the club's greatest ever players, who's come back into management.
1: Exactly, and the thing you know, you you've you've framed it perfectly, and I think. Only to add to that, in terms of what Xavi did wrong, look, there's, there's a few things. Yeah. Now, well, I'll say this, like, so shout out to uh, Grace Robertson, um, Grace on Football on Twitter, or what they're calling now, whatever they're calling it now, whatever letter they're calling it now. Um, Grace's newsletter, she talks about the reason why Klopp persevered and succeeded because he changed his style. And you look at Xavi coming in with his ideology of playing a certain way. The problem is that the style that Barsler played was so successful, it almost made that style obsolete. Unless you can execute at that speed, unless you can move the ball at that speed, you're not playing the Barcelona style. And the truth is, there's almost no players, well, there's actually no footballers on earth who can play football where Xavi played it. They don't exist anymore. And the gaps for what you're trying to force, you cannot force the ball through this gap, so you cannot create them because football has evolved so much that it's made that style not obsolete, but it's forced whoever's using that style before to to evolve. Look how Pep's evolved. Pep doesn't use that style anymore, right? And so I think Xavi was, it's so weird to think that someone who is probably the greatest centre midfielder of all time might be out of time, but that's how he looked actually. Um, And what I would criticise in terms of his decision, the communication of it, it's the, Klopp has said he's leaving at the end of the season but that's different because for Klopp it's a farewell tour and they're going to use that emotion where everyone's aligned to take Liverpool to heights they may not have been to for a couple of years. Like I think the the thing about Klopp is remarkable, but Xavi being there, when it's clear, well, by implication from him talking, that he was also part of the problem or his relationship with the players, I don't see that's a good thing. And some might say, well, actually, who else can you get in? Well, the answer is anyone. You get an assistant coach and I don't think he should be there because to come out and communicate it as he did, it sounded like the culmination of frustration and we've seen him on the touchline increasingly frustrated as time has gone on. The body language has been bad. I don't think he should be there, Ryan. I don't think he should be for the last few months because I don't see what purpose is served because you talk about releasing pressure, you talk about him, you know, the Sidlow article is great on this, dropping players for the Champions League game against Antwerp and then those players being reinstated to the squad. All of this discord, and he's going to be presiding over it. The problem is now, what's even worse, he's confirmed every fear people had about what's happening inside that institution and dressing room. And now he's going to stand there for months fronting it.
2: Well, I actually, this is where I think that you, the Klopp and Xavi comparisons or, or situations are, are really, they kind of show you what can be possible at a football club, right? You have a mm. you have a manager who's been there for nine years, brought the club back to former glory. You've got a club that's pulling in. The, you've club you've had a club that's been pulling in the same direction. Mm. With Javi, as it mentions in Sid's piece, you know he was Laporta's rival candidate for the job. Mm. Uh, font, and he ended up getting it. I think as a bit of a, a kind of publicity, not publicity, but like a bit of a which is like a popular choice to try and get everyone a little bit on side. Um, there's an amazing, you mentioned the Antwerp game, the, 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 the paragraph that that is from I think is astounding. It says, Sid says in The Guardian, he did not always choose the signings and even less so once Deco took over as his sporting, as sporting director last season. When Barcelona went to Antwerp for their final Champions League group game, he did not even choose the squad that travelled. His, his authority undermined when he left Araujo, Lewandowski and Gunduan out only for them to be unilaterally reinstated and they lost
1: 3-2. Unbelievable.
3: Like, how
1: Unbelievable. can you operate
2: in a... You can't. How can you operate in a, a place like that? And, you cannot
1: plan. Yeah, you cannot plan. And this is why I,
2: I find it kind of astounding how Barcelona have got to this position now. Um, and I wonder if there's a way back to where they used to be. Because I think when you burn through so many managers like that, and good managers, mm. Luis Enrique wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, Valverde was mistreated like the disrespect shown to, to Valverde and even at points to Kike Setien to be honest
1: yes oh my god that was awful
2: Kuman, I think was a,
1: a curious hire let's say and um, let's be honest even Pep even yeah. Pep look Pep was burned out after just four years yeah. and Ancelotti's talking about renewing and Madrid are winning Madrid are winning and Ancelotti's like it's calm This is, and people hate those comparisons, Real Barca, but I think it's valid because it shows that- Yeah, but they don't
2: like them, much like, sorry to cut in, but they don't like them much like Real Madrid fans didn't like the comparison of the Pep era with Mourinho. Totally. Because it kind of shines a mirror on what they aren't.
1: Totally. And I think this is the thing, you know, if you've got someone in a huge job and they're happy to renew, that's a sign of a healthy working, you know, corporate environment. These clubs are corporations, obviously. And, you know, Pep renewing at City, Klopp staying at Liverpool for nine years. These are healthy work environments for managers. And Pep, the greatest, that is a damning indictment. To be honest, that was the writing on the wall back then. The greatest club, the the greatest club side for my money, well, in football history, and Pep could only take four years of it. You've got the greatest, think about that, Ryan, you've got the greatest assortment of talents, the greatest team that maybe we've ever seen. And Pep was like, I'm out after four years. I'm not going to stay and renew. Pep should have been there for nine years. He should have. Like in a healthy working environment, Pep would have been there for ages because we've seen, look how long he's been at City. And look, there are issues with the City, we know. But look, in terms of the fact that he's been left to get on with it, and look how long he stayed for. Huge clubs should be, do a better job at retaining talent. They just should. And all this drama, all this chaos, there's no need for it. The circumstances in when Pep and Luis Enrique left, these people won trebles. They did everything you could be expected to do at a football club. And the surrounding circumstances fail them. And here's the thing, of course, in football, as we find you run out of geniuses. There's a great thing that um, um Okaleje put on Instagram, talking about the great Nigeria teams and how they're betrayed and how they, they basically missed out on two AFCON tournaments at their peak. Mm-hmm. The 996 and 98 Nigeria teams did not compete at AFCON. They, one was pulled out, the next one was suspended because they pulled out before. And they wasted the Nigerian football authorities, yeah, wasted the greatest collection of Nigerian footballing talents maybe we've ever seen. Probably ever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that
2: kind of like mid mid nineties to It's absolutely enraging. It's enraging.
1: (laughs) It's enraging, Ryan.
2: Yeah. Going back to your point about why Javi will stay towards till the end of the season, I think it's because of the players, actually. Because um, Araujo and uh, Frankie Jong both came out in support of him, and I think Arayo, it's in Sid's piece. But Araujo said something like, "It's not the manager's fault if we can't clear a ball properly," and uh, and Frankie Jong kind of took responsibility as well. Said we're with the manager. So I think that there's when you when you hear about the things that have been going going on above Javi and how he's been undermined, overruled essentially, um. The players get that because at the end of the day this is Javi Hernandez. You know, his voice carries such weight to a huge, 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 huge amount of those players and much like people will, be, will listen to Javi Alonso at Bayer Leverkusen, they're going to listen to Javi at Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that group is probably a little bit more united and the players who have been consistent through this quite turbulent time they spot what's going on mm. there's a reason why they've held down a place for so long considering all of the turnover so i'm not laughing at
1: you do you know i started laughing what if they win champions league they would be absolutely hilarious that would be the funniest thing i've seen in years but, gonna bit, just, yeah. but if
2: they're going to win something it's going to be a, it's going to be something like that because they have the chance like to me. get out of jail. There was it no team no team in Europe's top 5 leagues has conceded more goals this year than
1: Barcelona. Unbelievable.
2: So let's let's do a quick question what's next for them? Oh, yeah I was
1: going to ask you that actually, Ryan. I was going to, where do they go from here? I mean, the thing and is I, I was to, and I was joking but then I was, you know, I was joking about this season in Champions League but on a more broad sense.
3: who do you think they go for next year? <sighs>
1: Well, no, there's a more important question. Who can they get?
2: I think Nagelsmann is the, the, the one. Because, and the reason I say that is, you know how we said we, we didn't really like him for the Liverpool fit? Right. Nagelsmann has always said that he wants a short managerial career. Hmm. Right? He's already done the national team. He's already done Bayern. He won't, get a bigger, he won't get any bigger job in Germany. He won't get the Real Madrid job because Ancelotti's there unless Chelsea fire Pochettino and go after him again, I don't think he'll take the Chelsea job or go for the, you know, he'll get the Chelsea job. And the Pochettino stuff just seems to be very quiet
1: now. Mm. I think he's showing us something slowly yeah. at Chelsea. Yeah.
2: and also you need to give Pochettino time.
3: Right,
1: totally. Like, yeah.
2: it's, a pro, it's a work in progress. Actually, for who they can get, is there anyone, is there, is there a more marquee, person and available there's, there's than Nagelsmann?
1: Almost no one with his skill set, well no, 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 let me put it differently there's almost no one of his profile who's a, who's as good as going, like going into a club and working with what they have.
2: But they need someone who's going to go in there and thinks that they can fix it and actually I think Nagelsmann has this isn't a criticism but he has an arrogance that I think he, he it wouldn't surprise me if he thinks that he could go in there and actually sort it out whereas I think people like but also I think that's a, that's, that's, that's a very, that's in the context of him already having, considering he's still in his thirties. He's right, a wizard. He's mid a mid-thirties, Nagelsmann. Yeah, yeah. And actually
1: not a huge amount of options available anymore. Well, which that's is right. That's, that's bizarre. Right. It is bizarre, but that's also a reflection of his, that's a reflection of the fact that so many of the best jobs are already taken by brilliant managers. And of his own skill set, his own brilliance—he is a genius. And I can just imagine a scenario where he goes to Barcelona, and everyone's anxiously peering around the room as this sort of weird new chef is here. And they start writing about ah, oh, the German methods are the Germans' methods are confusing. Then after two three months, they start sort of peering their head around the door a bit more. And the shoulder comes round, and they start like stepping into the room, and he's just working quietly by himself. And they see it. Then there'll be one or two performances where they're like, yes. And this is why it's such a shame that you don't have an older guard that's more supportive because I think this is the kind of thing where a Nagelsmann appointment needs buy-in from, from execs. You know the thing about buy-in, Uli Hurness and these people, they've got their critics, they don't get me wrong, and <laughs> rightly so, frankly. And also in a footballing sense, one thing they do really well is they back you when others don't think you've got it. You look at their support of certain players at club and country level, something like a Philip Lahm, for example, they really really trusted to take the reins mm. and Barcelona. if they're going to make an appointment like that it's, it won't just be about the coach it will be about who trusts him to stand up to the sporting director or remove the sporting director um, so yeah I, I, I like Nagelsmann as a shout I think he's brilliant I loved I, to be honest his, my favourite Nagelsmann work was actually what he did at RB Leipzig when he went in that he went in that dressing room and he yeah. extracted from the group of players If you look at the goal output that he extracted before and after. Yeah, it was was good. He was great. He was remarkable. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, My other shout is Mark Van Bommel. I mean. (sighs) Because former Barcelona player, deep into his managerial career now. Thiago Motos, I think, has said no already because he's been linked. And why would you? I mean, he's doing an unbelievable job at Bologna. The risk reward for taking the Barcelona job now is well. I mean, it's always been pretty high. It's even bigger now. I think. Mm. uh, I think Zerbi if Zerbi doesn't stay at Brighton at the the end of the season, or he gets an offer and goes, I can imagine Zerbi wanting it. I'm just not sure that like Barcelona is the place to do what Deserbi wants to do at the moment. Such
1: a mess, Ryan. If they, if if they, if they had, like,
2: if they, if they had. If they had that really if they would had built around that just that really young core and were like right, prepared yeah. to to kind of sacrifice trophies for a couple of years, again, I'm we're going over this and it still annoys me. Not even a Barcelona fan. Still annoys me that they didn't do this in the first place. Could have saved them so much money and they could have been really exciting and they could have had everyone back on board.
1: A generational opportunity. You think of what they were handed, even after everything Barça had done financially. They were then handed three or four of the best young talents in world football, mm. and they still managed to squander them, overplaying them here, deploying them in the wrong places there. Just, it, it's overplaying them, underplaying them. This is the thing, like, to yes, I'd love to see the style of football he would produce at Barcelona, but do you stay away from that job? Absolutely, you stay away from it. Brighton right now, doing really well, doing. They've normalised, <laughs> Brighton have normalised seven seventh place in the Premier League.
2: We were talking about this last night about uh, Brighton and kind of about how the perception is almost like that the Deserby magic is not, or the Deserby hype has kind of fallen mm. off a little bit. And then we check the league table. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle won last night and went above them on goal difference. Manchester United, Chelsea, below them. And Newcastle level on points to them. The resources, the resources in those three clubs Compare that they the It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable, you know, and it makes the job that David Moyes is doing at West Ham even more impressive because they're above all of
1: them. Luton getting a result against Brighton, the 4-0 win.
2: Tom Lockyer coming back out before the game as well and going back into training. God, it's so good just to see
1: him, ha- like, healthy. Can I say on the Luton stuff, yeah, first of all, yeah, that, that is the most important thing and that's wonderful and great to have him back in the house witnessing this masterpiece. We, you tweeted me, you, you texted me about this Luton. So like, last night I was checking out this, and I was like, "This is unbelievable." You wrote to me this morning. You're like, "The way the Luton kicked off that game, I'm like, dude,
2: dude." Yeah.
1: Okay. Look, there's a I film loved reference. this
2: so much. By the way, people
1: will not know this. This a lot of people that for those who love all the Mad Max Fury Road movie, like there's a bit where there's a, there's a nuclear sandstorm. A car drives into a nuclear sandstorm, and that is what Luton began the game with. <laughs> it that. The ferocity, the ferocity Do you know what? with the orange shirts the as well. It kind
2: of looked very Mad max It did, didn't it? It was Mad Max. They went Mad Max and Mad Max Kettleworth Road. Is that
1: what I saying? love <laughs> 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 Oh God. <laughs> Do you know, Kate, what I would say, <laughs> can I say um, what I love? There's something I love in the Premier League every so often. You get a clash of styles or two very similar styles. And you saw it with Pep against Potch, it's one of my favorite games when Spurs come against City and Potch basically outpeps Pep. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. this was Luton gave Brighton a serving of their own medicine, a supercharged serving. And it was yeah. like absolutely yeah. thrilling. It was thrilling. Brighton did not know where to go, which avenues to look down. Everywhere they looked, there were three Luton players. They changed direction. There were four Luton players. They went back. There were They're the four everywhere. had joined the They're three. Everywhere, it was... <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. Oh my God. to be honest, I was actually laughing almost hysterically at it because I was like, "There's just no way out." It was like the Hall of Mirrors. Actually,
2: I think when Adebayo got his second, as they were running off
1: into the corner, they were all just saying to the Brian players, "See, it's not nice, is, is that, it?" You see, you see, For him getting a hat trick as well. Twenty-six years old, a man that was on loan at Slough Town. I cannot say how much I love that story arc. I cannot say how much I love it. And, you know, Rob Edwards, we've talked before on this podcast about Luton not getting the results they deserve, which sounds a bit patronising because he might say, well, actually, it's a results-based game and so you don't get the results, you don't deserve them. Yes, and, like, Luton have put in some performances this year that make their league position look... Like, the the quality of football they've played is not one that you would know from looking at the league table. They have been in so many games, absolutely wonderful. Like, I loved them against City, for example. Mm. When City, like, dragged themselves, like, because Bernardo Silva went you know full Superman, but what Luton did in this game, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like just reward for all these weeks of, like, near misses and points which should have been wins and defeats that should have been draws. I just, I just love this for them. Love it for them.
2: They're out the relegation zone having played a game less than Forest and Everton. Everton have dropped into the relegation zone now because they drew nil-nil with Fulham. Got missed chances. They still are better than their form is, is showing because like we said before, if they had, didn't have the deduction, they'd be
1: in between. But maybe the deduction be in kicked Wolves in. Maybe the Fulham psychology. Maybe the deduction kicked in. Dude, you get four straight wins in the Premier League. You look at the league table and you're like, we're still here. Yeah, That yeah. is like running with a backpack full of rocks yeah. and everyone else is wearing like airs and just zooming ahead. Like it's, it's yeah. just... It kicks in, I guess. Yeah, let's go to Palace. Let's do it. Oof. Oh my God,
2: Ibrahimovic and Michael Alisa.
1: What a joy to get to watch them as a season ticket holder. My God, dude. As a as a second goal it was so good. unreal. Do you know what I love about this as well? <laughs> I don't know what the celebration he gave meant after. So he checks back inside, rips it, so that they Crystal Palace beating Sheffield United three two. Um, Eze scores two, Elisa scores the other one. Gorgeous winner, Tony's growth style, bottom corner, but the, mm. the goal from Eze, the second goal, checks back inside and rips it top corner with his left foot and then the celebration is almost like, yeah, these are the levels. <laughs> it's almost like, this is how it's done, this is the demonstration and it's difficult to name two more elegant ball players starting for Premier League every week. They are just always a delight, you know. It's like when Sassuolo under Deserbi, you tune in and you were guaranteed a show. Obviously, Palace have had their struggles, but when Palace are on it, when when, mm-hmm. when Crystal Palace are firing, there's arguably no more pleasing sight than those two in tandem. They're just a joy.
2: Only bad thing, obviously, is that they both came off with injury worries Awful. again. But but also just a great game of football and yeah. coming from two nil, uh, coming from one nil down to equalise. Two one down to equalise. Uh, again, an amazing start to the game. Brett mm. Branson Diaz with an unbelievable shot. Yeah, his goal was was good, but he also though he did the. Uh, I think he clocked it because it's only what his second game, second goal in two games for Sheffield United, I think. And he he kind of did the the, the badge thump, and I think he clocked it. It was a bit like, too soon.
1: Too soon. soon, yeah, yeah, Too yeah, yeah, soon, yeah.
2: I've only really just got here, but... Uh, Not
1: like Cancelo. <laughs> Cancelo's straight in there. Cancelo is just like, keep the club me, shop, keep me. Cancelo kissing the bag in the club shop, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, really good win for Palace. Yeah. Um, Newcastle beating Villa
1: 3-1. Great that, win for the Very impressive victory, yeah, to win at Villa like that. Again, Again like machine, a,
2: Fabian Share.
1: Fast start, fast start. Newcastle getting there ready. The, the set pieces. They were really aggressive at the set pieces and that's what hurt Villa. They were always chasing after that. Oli Watkins spiritually onside goal, which would have made it 3-2 with 15 to go. I feel like this happens a lot. Yeah, ah, oh, it was 3-1. He pulled it back and then he got a second and it was pulled back. My God, it was literally, Ryan, it was inches. It was inches. And if they get that back and there's still 15 to go, it's not, and to be fair to Newcastle, they did create some really good chances after that goal was disallowed. But I almost felt like that killed their momentum for Villa. I felt like they played their way back into it. But I have to say, some of Anthony Gordon's play was brilliant. The way he held the ball up and the way that he was countering, um, it was just a very, very good game, actually, because both teams kept playing football. Mm. This thing I love about Villa this year, they're just, they're, like, so enterprising. And that openness gives people chances. But the high line they play, I mean, talk about them. You look at, like, the criticism of Emery in previous games. And you look at him now, a lot of people looking at Emery before and now couldn't believe he played a of football at Villa. Like, if you're going to lose a game, then at least lose it playing some of the stuff they played in the second half when they really went for it for a certain mm. period. So yeah, really good yeah, game. Yeah, I
2: mean, there. also, I think the Newcastle just really took advantage of that Villa high line. That was clearly yeah, something yeah. that there was a game plan. They kept kind of looking yeah. for that ball over the top, out to the yeah. left-hand side, Anthony Gordon getting onto it, and they just kept getting in behind Villa. You know, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> it's been a major factor of Villa's play this season, but I think they've caught the caught teams offside more than any other team in the Premier League. Mm. But Newcastle exploited that really well. It kind of felt like the best that Newcastle had played in the league for a while.
1: They needed that badly as well. Badly, yeah.
2: Last game, wrapping up. Arsenal beating Forest 2-1 at the city ground. Good win, that. Yeah, it was a little bit of a late scare, but I think Arsenal mm. were just so superior um, mm. and had to be patient. Forest, I think Forest defended really, really well. Yeah, very very well. It took uh, it. It took a lot of patience from Arsenal to to break him down. A little bit wasteful in front of goal. Occasionally hit the post Gabriel Jesus mm. had a couple of big chances before he um the one in the near post for yeah. his goal. But, yeah, yeah,
1: but two good two good two good goals in the end. Two good finishes. Yeah,
2: two very good goals, and then Alonely got one back right at the end. But no, I think Arsenal were good value for that. Pretty decent. Zinchenko,
1: yeah. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he tried to kick off with Benjamin White. And Arteta's saying, I loved it. I love. it. Well, of course you would. But um.
2: Arteta's funny, man. When he does the whole like, yeah, yeah, I
1: want it. Like, I love the intensity. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah.
2: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom.
0: Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but
1: only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
2: We said we'd leave the Women's Champions League for Flo and the gang on Counterpress, but can we just very quickly shout out Bayern 2, PSG 2?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Uh, Bayern needed to win to go through uh, PSG ended up finishing finished top of the group, a Georgia Stanway own goal two minutes from the end of normal time equalised with PSG and uh, Jovanna Damjanovic came on with five minutes to go, was so far offside <laughs> and scored a winner. And I think kind of knew she was so far offside but did a full-blown celebration. Shut off, running to the corner, knee slide, everything. It was... Uh, it's
1: almost like i started so I'll finish, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Also, like, can, I, gonna... can I say Bayern, Bayern PSG has always been, in recent years, has been great value in the Champions League as a fixture.
2: I mean, that's an upset though, Bayern going out of that group.
1: Yeah, it is. The way Bayern are. Yeah. Um, the level they're at. But this, the is, the, this at. is
2: a big sign of the progression of Ajax. I remember we, you know, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, but Flo and I were at the Arsenal Ajax qualifier last season and Ajax were really, really good. And you could see that that was a side that was starting to to grow and progress and it's not really much of a surprise, I think, to see them levelling up this season in the Champions League. But yeah, yeah I mean, by, that, that's just the great thing about the Women's Champions League now where clubs, you you looked at Real, you look at Real Madrid, prime example, we thought that Real Madrid were maybe... Or there all the signs suggested that Real Madrid were maybe going to turn into another powerhouse of of women's football. Mm. Finish bottom of their group, right? Absolutely. One point. They didn't win a game, but you know, Heckin go through behind Chelsea. Chelsea would go through undefeated. Paris FC. Their watch is ended. Group. Yeah. Their um, watch is ended. Their watch is ended. Uh, the other games tonight basically the, the the groups are all done. Barcelona and Benfica are through in those positions. So that, that, they're, they're all dead rubbers. And um, Leon and Bran are both through as well
1: in their groups. Mm. So let's talk AFCON. Big, big, big. So the headline, actually, the big line, yeah, the big headline result. The big line. The big line, South Africa to Morocco nil, or Morocco nil, South Africa to, whichever way around you read it. Who could have predicted that Morocco in their first major tournament after the World Cup heroics would go out? Hakimi hitting the crossbar with a penalty. Amrabat getting a red card. The heroes of that run. Wow. Just not falling from grace, plummeting from grace, plummeting headlong from grace. It's extraordinary, actually.
2: And we got the quarterfinals. Nigeria against Angola. Uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo versus Guinea. Mali versus Ivory Coast, which I think Spicy. is my low-key, that's my, that's my pick. And Cape Verde against South Africa. That's um, tasty.
1: The food, oh my God. But check this out. That's the best food, that's the best food. Sorry, they're going to so come So
2: Daniel Story wrote a tweet, uh, just to, to highlight this. The previous quarterfinals, Senegal, Egypt, Morocco, Burkina Faso, Equatorial Guinea, Gambia, Cameroon, Tunisia. They
1: are completely different. That's incredible.
2: But it shows you how like, if you half step, you are yes. gone from AFCON.
1: You I think, cannot fucking
2: no, afford to, to, be, to be anything other than on it.
1: Do you know what's interesting about that as well? It's because, Af- because AFCON takes place in a football, I've been thinking about why AFCON has these, throws up these results, these remarkable results. I think it's because it's during the football season yeah. And you have to get to the tournament mindset. You can't half-step. You're coming in with some, you know, you're playing um, a program of league games. Let's say that the team you play for in wherever, whichever country you play in, is four points top of the league. And you're kind of not coasting, but you're managing yourself. Because, you know, a 38-game season, you're playing within yourself to an extent. You come to AFCON, and it's the ferocity of the opposition, especially if you're a high-profile player in a different league or whatever, different country, Everyone's had that in their calendar. They've had that date in their calendar and they're coming with an intensity. So you go in at 70% and someone's coming at 120, you're going to get cooked. And you see it in these players, you see it like in Egypt, the moment Salah went out, you're like, they're in trouble because they, let's be real, they, they maximized their resources even with them to get to the final last time. So they were maybe ones who were going to get picked off. Mm-hmm. If you look at Senegal and Ivory Coast, Senegal started fast against Ivory Coast, but they got pulled back into the mix. And it's just these small margins if you're not on it. yeah. And because AFCON is in that sort of during the season, it it just shows people up in a way that other tournaments don't really. And to be honest, I think think it would be the same. It would be the same, I think, for the Euros or whatever, actually. Mm. I think it would be the same. Because even with the World Cup, you had that kind of winter bit. You had that kind of culmination. AFCON is just like plunged right into the middle of the calendar. And it's like, who wants this? Mm. Love it.
2: It was amazing. Yeah. The the free kick, the clincher. The well, oh my god! Just... Yeah, yeah,
1: To beat Bonu from there, from there, and they legit. The, the beauty of this, South Africa's, they can say they beat Morocco's best. The stars were all there. Yeah, they were all there. It wasn't even like Algeria. Mariz is coming off the bench. You had people starting. You had all the all the big names were starting, and they they cooked them and. They were in complete disarray. Even the red card, the Amrabat red card was almost the metaphor for this. Just dragging back the attacker through on goal and just, that just summed it all up. They just pulled Mm. them out of shape. Totally. Great win for them. Great win. Great tournament. Do you want to talk about Marcus Rashford? I think we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Clearly did something wrong. Seems like it's been handled internally. The amount of people who are starting to go after him now though in the press it makes me feel like this is something that's gonna keep going and going and going and going
1: Mm. there's a few things with marcus rashford the first of all the reporting coming out about marcus rashford and him falling short of his own standards his own standards behind the scenes those reports coming out some on more reliable channels than others but the reports coming out from reliable channels indicate that there have been concerns for a period of time Mm. about whether he was extracting the best from his talent. Those have been there for a while, those concerns. Um, And the concern primarily is that for the player, like he's talented enough, even at this point, even at this stage, he is talented enough to make this work. And the support he's been shown to this point suggests that there are still people in the institution that want to make it work. It does throw into very sharp focus the treatment of Jadon Sancho, who we know was given time, but there was talk about double standards. But Jaden Sancho now, looking back at this, will be like, actually, maybe I had a harder time of it than other players. Because Jaden Sancho, what he was criticised for, wasn't this. It wasn't this. This is, a, this is a degree worse. Now, Marcus Rashford, obviously, a national darling for his work, his advocacy, the free school meals. One of the great forward talents that we've seen in English football for a while. There's an inconsistency there in the games in terms of the goal scoring from season to season. There have been injuries. But that last season, I'll always say this, I've said this to you a thousand times, I really wish he'd moved. I wish he had moved in the summer to, let's say, a Paris Saint-Germain. And I said that because... <sighs> I don't see what he could have done beyond what he did at United. I think he'd actually peaked in this current iteration. I think going somewhere like a Luis Enrique with a rebuilding team away from the glare of the media, because I don't think a lot of people forgave him for that advocacy, actually. Now, this is not, look, this is not to say, look, again, let me return to this just before um, you reply. The primary responsibility for him turning this around, I think, still lies within him. But from the reporting we've seen and the intensity of it, I don't think he's going to get a grace period, Ryan. I think whatever he achieves on the pitch the next few months,
3: it will be done without any protection or restraint from anybody on
1: big platforms in the media, unfortunately. I think he's going to have to go it. Obviously, with the support of the club, he's going to have to go it alone, I think. Um, I think that honeymoon period is over as far as press goes. The British press, they kind of pick
2: their moments and they know when they yes, they can pounce. Yeah. So I think Rastrup's been really silly here. He knows the deal by now. Mm. I mean, in terms of like, he's been around a while and like, you know, yeah, for example, it's not, it's if you're going to go out young. two nights on the bounce in Belfast or whatever and miss a game, you're going to have, you're going to get, you're going to get some shit.
1: You'll get cooked and you have to expect that. I just feel like some of the tone of the reporting feels ominous as if there's more. Yeah. Do you, do, that, that's my concern about this. I feel like the tone of the reporting... Like more coming out. I feel there is more. Yeah. I feel there is more. The one thing I will say about all this and all of this, and look, first of all, the primary responsibility, as I said, is with Rashford to turn this around, right? And also, one thing I want to do as well, because Manchester United at the moment, the reporting about that club, and not the reporting, but some of the framing, mm. It's always one person. It's always an either-or. So it's Jadon Sancho as the bad guy or Onana as the bad guy for whatever or whoever. The problem I have with the United at the moment is, and I'll say this too, this is a problem for like Ineos coming in, the new kind of partial owners. One that has to be looked at and we'll be lost in all of this. Eric Ten Hag's apparent conflicts of interest with some of this club recruitment. That is, I'm really... You, you, you have a, an agent who is doing so many deals, bringing players into the club. Yeah. That is a thing that, that let's put a, put a pin in that because the Rashford stuff is important, but also that is a thing that affects the club dynamics to another degree, which has to be looked at. It's separate to the Rashford stuff, but I'm noticing now, oh, if it wasn't for this, then Ten Hag would have an easier run. No, 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 no. He's got a lot of stuff coming that he has to deal with. Yeah. But let's not make this into some kind of, If the problem of Rashford is solved, then United's problems are solved substantially. I don't think they are. I think this club has multiple organ failure. And I think what it's done very well, very successfully, is actually use some figures to mask the failings of others. And actually, Sancho was used maybe to mask some of Rashford's discrepancies. And Rashford will be used in turn if we're not careful. But I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see the order in which Ineos and Ratcliffe solve problems at United. Mm. Because I think actually they're coming into the very clear right and they're looking at all of this going, yes, this Ratcliffe situation is a big problem, but once we've solved this, however we solve it, there are other substantial problems too.
3: Before we go, on a fun note, should we end on
2: a fun note?
1: Of course, let's do it.
2: Would you like to hear some suggestions that people sent us about the next players to become good managers? Love to. So we talked about this on last week's show and uh, we've got some great ones. We're going to start with Alex Vorkus who says, Tiago Silva for Brazil or Fluminense don't actually have an idea of what type of style he played but he will definitely be more of a man manager with his players and always ready for a dogfight no matter who they are playing.
1: Love that, love that.
2: Go from one Tiago to another. Philip Mainzer says, Tiago Alcantara, either at Barcelona or Bayern, ideally through the academy first. Yes. Hi. Oh, this is just. I like that. I no, like wait, the academy first. Wait, wait, Musa, it gets better for you. Stop. Or maybe Fiorentina, where his father Mazzinio played. Stop. And in the country of Tiago's birth, Italy, great centre midfielder, but maybe too close in age to that great Spain generation of 2008, 12. But injuries kept him from becoming an all-time legend. Played under Guardiola, Ancelotti, Heinkus, Klopp, etc.
1: I love that. I love that. I still think young Thiago, when they won the under twenty ones, was the best young midfielder I'd ever seen. Because it was basically for those who didn't see that that was like Pedri. Plus, imagine Pedri plus goals. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually frightening. Yeah, him and ERMND, If you get to watch oh. those re those reruns. Thiago and Iyara Mendy, Spain and 21, were just, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's I know. That squad was so good. Dude, that's a deep cut. Uh,
2: Lucas wow. Manella says, Koulibaly for Senegal. He already has Perfect. experience moving defenders into position.
1: <laughs> he also has big uncle Ng already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and <laughs> Santi Cazola at Oviedo. Just Stop. let him drastic, transition into a player coach finally Lucas says N'Golo Kante but I don't know where maybe Chelsea maybe Leicester Kane or maybe for my local team Red Star
1: St. Owen when we make it up to League 2 <laughs> I'd love it if he just went to small clubs his whole yeah. career like his whole career just basically was like yeah actually I don't want a big job don't need a big job just do my thing
2: becomes like this ultimate cult man. and just
1: coaches the hell out of like all these brilliant players start coming through into the French national team and you see they've all got in common. They started out like that. Yeah. I'd love that so much. Two final Quite ones. Proper like Giroud or Zaire style, but like small clubs. Love that.
2: Matthew Day says, Luka Modric moves into international management as Croatia under 18 slash 21 coach. A few years later gets the senior role and guides Croatia to either a Euros title and or World Cup semi-final. That is so specific, Matthew. I love that. With that success, he returns to the Premier League taking the Spurs job.
1: Oh, stop, stop. That's perfect. That's too good. No, stop. Is that when Ange takes the Real Madrid job? <laughs> <laughs> and Luka takes it four years later. Yeah.
2: They yeah, just follow, like each Luke, round. Yeah. They follow each other around yeah, for a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: One final one.
1: So I'm just afternoon tea with Seydorf, I Luka know. and Bo- Did
2: you see all stop. the gang at the uh, Nottingham Forest Arsenal game? No, no. Uh, I think it was like, but Viv Anderson was there. Uh, Turam, Carambo, Perez. Stop. Seriously? They were all at the Stop. Forest Arsenal game. Stop.
1: <laughs> oh. I'm angry. What's that mean? It should have been me. Yeah. It should have been me. <laughs> Final one.
2: <laughs> Tristan Evans
3: Willent says, <laughs> Tristan, you're a menace. In fact, we shouldn't even be reading this
2: out because Tristan has done something here. He's, he's 100% Tristan's only Stop. sent this in to Stop, get it because read he knows.
1: out. Yeah, because he knows. that. Yeah. Oh,
2: no. Gentlemen, I was a bit surprised you didn't pluck this one yourselves. But may I offer you Olivier Giroud managing Arsenal? Stop. No, Stop. actually, Tristan. No, see? No, get, no. That is ridiculous. Get out of here. Stop playing to the base. Think about Stop. what you've done. Shame to if you shamed yourself. Stop pandering
1: to the base. <laughs>
2: Whatever the podcast equivalent of air jail is, go there.
1: <laughs> they know us too well. They know us too well. Well, that's the funny thing. There's a whole generation of players now who just don't need the money, right? And they've had their football fixed because the intensity of football, such the demands, social media. It's amazing that as many of them still love going into it, actually. You know, I mean, especially
2: if you're looking at what's going on now, bring, looping it back to the, the Javi stuff. Yeah, you've got totally. Klopp and Javi announcing on this basically 24, 48 hours apart that for different reasons, they're both absolutely knackered.
1: Yeah. This is the first generation, maybe, of post material footballers where you've gone through the whole cycle, mm. you've earned your money, and you've managed. Then you leave football altogether. And then what do you have beyond football? And actually, I mean, Frank Reichardt, God bless him, the man's quietly cooking, doing whatever he's doing. What we the hell seen is Frank up to, actually? Exactly. That's the guy. They need to make a pilgrimage like to see Gene him. That's the Gene
2: Hackman of football management. He just <laughs>
1: just bounced. Just one stuff.
2: He just bounced. fucking bounced.
1: <laughs> it's probably doing like yoga retreats for people like Don Draper, you know, just sort of.
3: <laughs>
2: Managerial career, Netherlands assistant, Netherlands, Sparta, Rotterdam, Barcelona, Galatasaray, Saudi Arabia. Saudi bounced yeah
1: and I I was talking to him the other day and I was like that man I think he's happy he must be happy whatever he's up to he's just floated off so that's interesting now like what do you do beyond football which is whole you know that's Klopp's whole thing isn't it like there's a world out there and I want to go out and see a bit of it and enjoy it before it's too late
3: Mm.
1: maybe they should both maybe Chavi should do that too Chavi and Klopp in the, in the footballing afterlife. That's the podcast waiting to happen. That is, that is, my goodness.
2: All right, let's get out of here. Let's do it. Uh, don't forget to check Writers House on Friday, count press on Thursday. Go to stadio.football, score to the bottom, pop your email address in if you would like to receive our newsletter. Uh, the next edition will be going out next week. Maybe we'll have a new piece on the, up on the site by then as well. Hmm. And this episode we are playing out on I think the second dub of They Say by Holy Tongue. Anything you would like to happen. It's not going to go. Nothing further. All right, everyone. Much love. Have a lovely rest of the week and a great weekend. And we will be back with you on Monday.
1: See you then.